0: Hey church family, so good to be with you again today. You probably noticed that we're shooting in a little bit different location today. That's because the church building has been without power and so we had to find a a new location to to do this and uh, so here we are. But we're just trying to make the best of it and uh, I think we'll we'll be okay in the long run. But we're so glad that you have chosen to join us today and uh, worship with us today. Uh, Louis Armstrong, trumpet legend Louis Armstrong, I grew up in a rural part of Louisiana in the early nineteen hundreds and and he loved to tell the story about how when he was a young boy, his mother sent him to go get some water at a nearby pond. and as he was leaning over the water, standing in the water, filling up the bucket, an alligator surfaced not too far from him and practically scared him to death. He dropped the bucket right there in the water and he ran as fast as he could back home. and when he got back to his house, he, told his mom all about the alligator and, you know, after he caught his breath, he told her all about the alligator and, and she said to him, now, Lewis, I want you to go right back down there to that pond and get that water. Don't worry about the alligator. I'm telling you, son, he's as scared of you as you are of him, to which Lewis Armstrong replied, mama, if that alligator is as scared of me as I am of him, that water ain't fit to drink. <laughs> You know, fear is a powerful thing. It can make you do all kinds of things and run in all kinds of different directions. And today, as we're continuing in our Going Viral series, as we're journeying through the book of Acts and examining what it looks like when the message of Jesus Christ goes viral, today our journey takes us to a time in the church's life when it was driven by fear. For a season. But where it drove one of those followers of Jesus was exactly where the church needed to go anyway. Now, if you remember when we began this series, uh, Going Viral series, we, we looked at how Jesus told his followers, the very first thing he told his followers, all the way back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he told them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so far, everything that we've read in the first seven chapters of Acts has been the story of how the power of the Spirit came on those first believers, and they were witnesses, but they were witnesses strictly in Jerusalem. And now the church has grown to the point where there are several thousand people who have confessed Jesus, confessed the Lordship and the Messiahship of Jesus Christ, but they have yet to go beyond Jerusalem and into Samaria and Judea, much less to the ends of the earth, until now. When you get into Acts chapter 8, it marks a major transition in the book of Acts, as well as in the story of the spread of Christianity as a whole, because it tells the story of how those early believers began to spread beyond Jerusalem. Acts chapter 7 concludes with the story of Philip being stoned to death. He's the first Christian martyr in the book of Acts. And the same religious establishment that had plotted to get rid of Jesus and had succeeded in crucifying him just months earlier now had put Stephen to death and would begin trying to do the same with others of Jesus' followers. When Stephen was killed, it was like a, a switch. Was flipped, and all kinds of persecution began to break out against the church there in Jerusalem. It must have seemed literally like all hell was breaking loose against the church at that time. As Luke puts it at the beginning of Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 on that day, on the day Stephen was stoned, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea. And Samaria but then we read in verse 4 those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went who would have who would have thought that it would be through persecution that Jesus's words in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth who would have thought that through persecution Jesus's words would be fulfilled that the persecution of believers in Jerusalem actually led to the distribution of the message about Jesus throughout the world. What was being done to squelch the movement only inst- instead spread it all the more. The religious establishment thought that they were pouring cold water on this fire but what was actually happening is they were spreading the fire all the more the cold water they thought was being poured on it was more like water being poured onto a grease fire it didn't squelch the message of Jesus but rather it inadvertently spread it all the more it was Jesus who once told his disciples early on in his ministry in Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 that you are the salt of the earth but you know salt has to be shaken before it can be spread right and what was going on is that the church is being shaken in acts chapter 7 and the church being shaken in acts chapter 7 only serves to spread out the salt all the more upon the rest of the world in acts chapter 8 and beyond and the truth is the church needed to be shaken out of Jerusalem, particularly if, it, particularly if it was ever going to go into Samaria. There had been more than a thousand years of hatred between Jews and Samaritans up until this time. In fact, Jews wouldn't even travel through Samaria. They'd go around it, even if it made for a longer trip. And even though these are Jewish believers who are now coming to faith in Jesus Christ and a belief in Jesus Christ and the way he's called them to live, it would still take a while for them to deal with their long-held prejudices. In fact, John even noted in his gospel in John chapter four, verse nine, that Jews wouldn't even associate with Samaritans and that includes Jesus's own disciples and that's what makes Jesus's conversation with that Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter four all the more stunning. But the church wouldn't follow in Jesus's footsteps so easily. It took adversity and persecution to drive them out of Jerusalem and into Samaria. And you know, oftentimes the same goes for us. Sometimes God allows us to be shaken so that we'll be spread out upon other people. You see, our adversity can sometimes be someone else's opportunity to encounter Jesus through us. And let me ask you something. When you're going through a difficult time in your life, a hard stretch in your life, has it ever occurred to you that what you're going through might have something to do with the message of Jesus going through you to others around you who are watching what you're going through? Now, I'm not suggesting that every form of adversity that we face is somehow God's will or that God brings it about. Oftentimes, it may be the, the, the will of, of other people in our lives or around us that causes those things to happen. I'm simply saying that our adversity doesn't have, the, have to have the last word on the word of Christ through our lives. If anything, sometimes our adversity creates opportunities for others to hear the word of Christ through our lives. And this brings us to a man by the name of Philip. Well, let's read on a little bit more about Philip in Acts chapter 8, continuing verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy. In that city. Now, just to be clear, there is an apostle named Philip, but this isn't Philip, the apostle, because all the apostles remained behind in Jerusalem when everyone began to scatter and leave Jerusalem. This Philip is the one we read about last week in Acts chapter six. He's one of the seven men who are appointed and selected to care for those Grecian widows, specifically to see oversee the daily distribution of food. To those Grecian widows in Acts chapter 6, but now we see him in Samaria distributing a different kind of food. Before he was distributing bread, and now he's distributing the bread of life. But Philip's not done when it comes to distributing the bread of life, because Philip doesn't just reach Samaria, he also winds up impacting Africa without ever, without ever even going there. Picking up in Acts chapter eight, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch and an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, or Candace is how it's actually translated, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. That's such a powerful story because while Acts chapter eight begins With Philip preaching to the masses in Samaria, it ends with Philip sharing the message of Jesus with one from Ethiopia. There's so much we can learn from Philip about what it means for the message of Jesus Christ to go viral, but I just want to share with you five things today. First, the life of Philip teaches us that going viral happens through being faithful with the opportunities that God gives you. Philip was faithful with the many in Samaria, the call that God gave him, the opportunity that God gave him there. And he was faithful with the opportunity with the one from Ethiopia. And notice that in both cases, Philip didn't stay put forever. He wasn't there for the whole spiritual journey of the Samaritans. He wasn't there for the whole spiritual journey of that one on that desert road, the Ethiopian eunuch for that matter either. But he was faithful in the moments And the opportunities that god put before him whether it was with the many or whether it was with the one and a big part of why he was able to do that leads me to the next thing i think we learned from philip the life of philip teaches us that going viral happens through trusting god with the bigger picture you know sometimes the path that god may be leading us down may not make a whole lot of sense but the reason that we can be faithful with those moments and those opportunities that God gives us is because we trust Him with the bigger picture. All Philip is told by the angel is to start walking down a desert road, and so he does. And then the Spirit comes along and tells him to go up to this chariot, and, and so he does that. In fact, did you notice that he runs up to it? He doesn't even waste any time. He, he immediately obeys and takes advantage of the opportunity that God gives him. And it, as he comes upon it, he hears the man reading aloud from the book of Isaiah, and this man in this chariot just happens to be the treasurer of Ethiopia, and then Philip takes it from there. And this Ethiopian eunuch winds up being the first African convert. But it begins with Philip following the Lord, taking advantage of the opportunity and walking down a desert road. He didn't know where it was gonna lead, and yet he followed. He did something that maybe didn't make a whole lot of sense on the surface, but he did it because he trusted God with the bigger picture. And he wound up helping a man make sense of what he was reading and he brought that man to Christ and that man himself was a road for the gospel to go into Africa. Third thing Philip teaches us is that going viral happens through being willing to take the initiative with people different from you. Philip has little in common with this man. They're from different countries, different cultures, different backgrounds, different social statuses. The Ethiopian eunuch is a high ranking official in the Ethiopian government. He's riding in a chariot. Philip is a, a refugee running from persecution, having been driven from Jerusalem. Philip is a married father. This Ethiopian is a eunuch. They were different in so many ways. I mean, the list just goes on and on, and here's what I know. Usually, the more differences that we, that we view with another person, that they have from us, the more hesitancy we have in approaching them. But for, but for Philip, the mission transcended the differences. This wasn't about him. This was about Jesus and sharing the message of Jesus with this man and this chariot. And for the second time in Acts chapter eight, Philip reaches beyond his walls. He reached beyond his walls when it came to the Samaritans and he reached beyond his walls there with that Ethiopian eunuch on that desert road. Which really brings me to the fourth lesson from Philip. The life of Philip teaches us that going viral happens through meeting people where they are. Philip began where the man was with his questions The man asked him, "Do you under?" Philip asked him, "Do you understand what you're reading?" And the man says, "How can I unless someone explains it to me?" And then Philip begins with that very passage, and he begins to tell him the good news about Jesus Christ. By the way, note that God was already at work on this man before Philip ever got into that chariot. You see, you're never just starting from the ground floor with somebody when you begin to put a good word in about Jesus Christ. God is at work in advance preparing the soil, which brings me to a fifth thing that we learn from Philip. The life of Philip teaches us that going viral happens through helping others to see how Jesus tears down every wall. There's more to this story than what meets the eye Because this Ethiopian, he's not Jewish. He's not Jewish by birth. Now, he obviously more than likely converted to Judaism because he's on his way to worship in the temple at Jerusalem. But he would always be an Ethiopian. And because he wasn't Jewish from birth, he would be prevented for the rest of his life from ever fully participating in the worship of God in the temple in Jerusalem. He could go no further than the outer courts of the temple courtyard to draw near to the God of the Jews and to make his sacrifices. And not only did his nationality prevent him from getting any closer, but also his physical condition prevented him. The fact that he was a eunuch prevented him from drawing any closer and fully participating in the worship of God there at that Jerusalem, at the temple in Jerusalem. There were several strikes against him, his nationality, his physical condition, he would never be able to go as deeply as he wanted to go into the temple to worship the God of the Jews, even if that was his God. No matter how much he sought the God of the Jews, he would always be treated as an outsider. And that, what, that's what makes his question to Philip so significant. When as Luke writes, they traveled along the road and they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water, what can stand in the way? What can limit me? What are the barriers in front of me when it comes to me being baptized into Jesus Christ? He's obviously realizing by this point that Jesus has potentially changed things and now he's asking a genuine question because he's used to being told that he could go no further when it came to drawing near to the God of the Jews. But notice Philip doesn't say, nope, sorry, nothing I can do. You can go no further. Instead, they go down into the water right then and there. And note, this isn't happening in a temple. This isn't even happening in Jerusalem. It's happening in a body of water beside a desert road. And by the way, have you ever thought about this? How many deserts, desert roads, just have bodies of water right beside them? Makes you wonder, did, did God provide this body of water just for this moment. At any rate, the walls are down for Samaritans and Ethiopians. Jesus is the new temple, and there are no more barriers, no more limits, no more walls. It's so interesting that Jesus once said to another Samaritan, a Samaritan woman, I mentioned her earlier in John chapter four, verse 21. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And on the side of a desert road outside of Jerusalem, that's exactly what was happening. And so they go down into the water and this Ethiopian eunuch is baptized and he goes on his way rejoicing. I mean, can you imagine after a lifetime of being made to feel like an outsider because of his nationality, because of his physical condition, he finds out that Jesus has removed every barrier that would keep him from drawing near to God and fully rejoicing in his presence and worshiping him. And he returns to Ethiopia with salvation in his heart and the message of Jesus on his lips. And the rest is history. No more walls, no more barriers. And while there's no mention of it in Acts, some ancient sources speak of Queen Candace of Ethiopia, who we read about earlier in the passage becoming a follower of Jesus Christ herself during her reign, along with her husband. She ruled from AD 25 to AD 51, which means she was ruling in the latter years of Jesus Christ and about 15 or so years after Jesus died, was crucified and buried and ultimately rose from the dead. It's said that Candace and her husband spent the last years of their reign promoting the lordship, of Jesus Christ there in Ethiopia. And if that's indeed the case, you could say there was a lot that came out of Philip taking that long walk down that desert road. So as we close our time today, I just want to leave you with three questions. And any one of these questions might hit us in any number of different ways, depending on where you are this week in your life. And the first question is this, who in your life is on the other side of the wall? Who in your life is on the other side of the wall? And in what way do you need to reach across? In what way do you see God moving in your life, as uncomfortable as it may be, to put you in a position to reach out to someone in your life who's across the wall with a word about Jesus? Who in your life is on the other side of the wall? You know, that wall... Could be that they're in a different socioeconomic strata than you are. Maybe they're far richer than you. Maybe they're far poorer than you. The wall could be that they look different than you. They talk different. They come from a different background, family-wise, culture-wise, whatever it is. Who is it in your life that's on the other side of the wall that you need to get beyond the wall, just as Philip got beyond his walls in Samaria and even his walls there on that desert road? with that Ethiopian eunuch. Here's a second question. What's your desert road? What's your desert road? What's one thing that God has told you to do in scripture that he's leading you to do, but maybe it doesn't make much sense. What is it for you? What's your desert road? And if he's spoken clearly to you in scripture and he's leading you by his spirit, maybe other wise believers are are giving you counsel and you know it's something that God is leading you to do, I want to encourage you to just do it. Just take the road. Because the road that God is leading you down just might lead you to a person that desperately needs a word about Jesus and that person himself or herself could be the road to many others hearing about Jesus. And then here's a third question. How will you humble yourself in response to the gospel of Jesus Christ? There's a couple of things that the Ethiopian eunuch does that that really convicts me. For one, he's not too proud to take some instruction and teaching. I mean, this guy, he's an important official He's the treasure of of Ethiopia. He's got authority. He's got influence. He's got money. He's got a chariot. How cool is that, by the way? And, And yet he realizes that he still needs help understanding what he's reading. And he invites this refugee on foot to join him in the chariot and share with him and teach him and learn from him. And then when he sees the water On the side of the road, he orders the chariot to stop. I mean, what man likes to stop along the side of the road, particularly on a long trip, particularly an important man like this who no doubt has a schedule and and, and, and appointments to keep and deadlines and agendas, and yet he orders the chariot to stop, and he gets down from his chariot, and he wades in the water, and he allows this hitchhiker named Philip to baptize him. He may have power, he may have money, he may have influence, and yet he realizes his desperate need to understand what scripture is saying and then to respond to Jesus once he realizes what it says. I mean, there is is humility all over this. And it just begs for me to consider how will I humble myself in response to the message and the gospel? Jesus Christ. For some of us, it may mean being baptized ourselves, just pulling over the chariot and interrupting our lives and our schedules and humbling ourselves and saying, Jesus, I I give my life to you. No more running, no more sidestepping. I surrender myself to your salvation. Maybe humbling ourselves means being not so preoccupied with what others may think, but instead stepping out and reaching beyond our walls this week in response to how Jesus has reached out to us. All I know is that Philip and even that Ethiopian eunuch remind me to never underestimate the power of just one person humbling themselves and responding to Jesus. Samaria was reached because of it. Africa was reached because of it. And you never know how things can go viral and walls can be torn down like we can never imagine through sharing the message of Jesus Christ and reaching beyond our walls.